Welcome back to another episode of Sustainalytics Sustainable Finance Solutions podcast, a monthly roundup of the latest transactions and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we take you through some of the latest news that caught our eye, noteworthy transactions that have hit the market, and cap off with discussing regulatory updates. This roundup is the curated shortlist for a download on what's happening in the sustainable finance space globally, and it may just spark some ideas for future deals and transactions. Today's episode is hosted by Nick and Aditi, who work in sales and business development across the APAC region. So let's start with some key themes. Nick, over to you. Great. Thank you, Aditi, and good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all of our listeners. Um, globally, our numbers continue to grow in downloads, so we hope that this continues to be a useful forum of discussion and some great references for those active in these markets. Um, in terms of key themes, we'll probably come back to these uh, a couple of times. Really, the, the GBS, Green Bond Standard and EU is a, is a key theme over the last few weeks. Ongoing innovations in the different sustainable finance products and then also the ongoing diversification of industry and, and, and products. So we'll probably come back to those fairly frequently in one way or another, but just have those in the back of your mind, listeners, as you go through and, and listen to these points. In terms of news, Aditi, I'll, I'll kick off sort of with some, some highlights that I've, that I've seen. Um, climate bonds initiative continue to be very active and have come up with their latest quarterly, first quarter 2023, hot off the heels of the the annual summary of 2022, I'd highly recommend reading both. A couple of highlights. I mean, first quarter was pretty strong. Then sort of halfway through, there was the issues with Silicon Valley Bank and others. This podcast isn't really meant to get in all the dynamics of, um, of bonds and pricings and markets and expectations, but we kind of saw a bit of a tempering of the market then. 17% increase versus Q4 last year, and that was pretty low. So a pretty solid start to the year, but a few bumps along the way with a few of those banks and, and other issues. Green continues to dominate. Social continues to normalise after COVID. Sustainability instruments continue to go pretty well. SLBs, pretty tempered at the market um, at the moment, and then transition bonds very small. So nothing really different to what we've talked about before in terms of major areas of issuance and, and type of instrument, but we would highly recommend people to, to check those out. And there's a really good summary of tra- both transition bonds um, and sustainability-linked bonds and a couple of the different dynamics around those. In other news, um, shall we say, we saw the LMA um, come out and publish a sustainability leak loan drafting sort of term sheet and, and key terms, so do check that out. As I mentioned before, in terms of a key theme, ongoing articles about the EU Green Bond Standard, which we should should see come out midway through next year. So lots of different articles about concerns, about usability, about how hard it will be, about when it will come out. So let's keep a, a close eye on that. An interesting article from Environmental Finance about sustainable bond market risks fragmentation amid regulatory overload, maybe too many references, too many labels. Let's see how that goes. I mean, I think overall we need labels to differentiate the different types of instruments, but it is a bit complicated for uh, someone totally fresh looking at these markets. So we'll see what happens there. Ongoing talk about the activation or more participation of the private sector and involved in in private debt. So let's see how those go, um, how that goes biodiversity, ecosystem services, different reports coming out of that 
area based upon or further to the TNFD, uh, the Task Force on Nature-Based Financial Disclosures, which will be fully operational from September this year. A couple of innovations, as I mentioned um, at the start of the podcast, a little bit of a talk on catastrophe bonds, again, contingent-type bonds related to climate events. Let's see how those um, how those go. What else? The ongoing debate around cryptocurrency and then, you know, whether clean energy is used for that and whether it's good and bad and crypto mining always just captures my eye. I'm not sure when we'll see some crypto-related bonds issued that are from clean energy. Let's see. Gender focus in terms of having huge potential in Asia and globally continues to be a, an issue discussed and, and mentioned. Social impact of bonds particularly obviously social labelled um, articles about that. It was sort of tempered against a few articles about whether social bonds are actually decreasing too much, whether they continue to be relevant. It's harder to define social, both on KPIs and use of proceeds, and it's much more localised. So we'll keep a good eye on that. A few articles about the next wave of green social, sustainability, sustainability linked bonds, particularly in markets like America that come from hard to abate sectors. I mean, I think we'll see that from Asia as well, which we already are in terms of that ongoing trend of diversification. Articles about data centres being hot, the greenwashing standard things, transition guidelines. I think we're going to see a lot more related to what a good transition plan looks like, what should be in there, and more will be regulated, I think, over time. Both banks need great transition plans and corporates receiving funds need great transition plans and probably to that extent investors. So lots to happen around the area of transition and transition um, planning. Um, A couple of articles about um, climate to debt swaps or debt for nature conversions. Again, blended finance, use of offsets, debt to nature conversions. We're going to see all of these type of instruments come out, even coal buyouts. There's more discussion of that in the market. Come out particularly for interesting markets like Australia and maybe some of the emerging markets that need to be a bit more innovative in how we reach net zero or what instruments we, uh, we use. And then a bunch of reports that, that just to note, a couple, IRENA, the Renewable Energy Agency um, from the UN, excellent reports that come out talking about the low cost of energy transition and um, renewables um, outlooks. SBTI, Science Based Target Initiative, coming out with both a property paper, which is great for embodied emissions and also operating emissions. So that's really interesting with lots of different curves for different markets. So I think it's great to see the market coming out with reference points for different geographies and then the embodied concept of, of the carbon that's in a materials we're building. Really, really interesting. So look out for that one. And our friends at Climate Bond Initiative, pretty active in terms of a paper on cement um, transition. CBI coming out with some sort of resilience and adaptation taxonomy at some stage. Definitely look out for that. And then a really good piece on state of the market in the ASEAN part of the world and interestingly enough for last year SLLs were more than than green label instruments in ASEAN so some some differences versus the global picture starting to emerge in ASEAN and Asia a much more loan market than a a bond market so check those pieces out so yeah lots of uh, lots of interesting news what about on the linked instrument side Aditi both loans and bonds anything that caught uh, your eye yeah, sure. So 
On the SLP side, not too much activity, but SLLs are quite a few to highlight. So let me start with SLBs first. Uh, only a few deals to highlight here. So one is uh, Eramet, which is a French mining and metallurgical company. So other than the environmental KPI, they had a target around increasing share of suppliers and customers having decarbonization targets consistent with the well below two degrees Celsius scenario. So just wanted to highlight this uh, KPI that they had in their SLB structure. Then there was new that uh, Fibra, which is a Mexican private education REIT, uh, they plan to issue SLBs to acquire assets and to pay off a loan. And lastly, there was one transaction in the uh, IT or the telco uh, sector. This was TDC Net that issued a sustainability link bond. So not too many issuances, but SLLs, wow, there were a lot of transactions that happened. Multiple loans denominated in different currencies across different industries. So there were banks like ABN AMRO, Turk Exim Bank, uh, development banks like your KFW, Council of European Development Bank. Then on the specialty mineral side company called ICL, a construction and real estate firm Lendlease, which is down in Australia, data center provider Atlas Edge, agricultural company Viterra, shipping company Eagle Bulk. So as you can see, a lot of diversification in terms of sector. Uh, when it comes to sustainability-linked loans. Maybe a few transactions to highlight here. Uh, one was a telco company in Colombia called Impresa de Telecommunications. They had KPIs around replacement of copper wiring with fiber optics, which, as we know, helps to improve connectivity and uh, environmental performance as well. And the second KPI talked about training and empowerment of women. So it's good to see companies focusing, continue to focus on social KPIs. A lot of articles on SLLs being adopted by Singapore-based uh, conglomerate, Nick, where you are based. Uh, this is Royal Golden Eagle, which is involved in multiple businesses and has announced SLLs across its verticals, like its pulp and paper business, its palm business. So a lot of articles about that. Within oil and gas, Puma Energy in Switzerland issued an SLB. Then within the manufacturing sector, there was KMD. Shipping has been coming up quite a lot. So I already mentioned Eagle Bulk uh, Shipping earlier, but other names include Diana Shipping, Navigator Holdings in UK, uh, Bocom Leasing. And just to give a quick spotlight on shipping. So it seems like shipping firms have become more enthusiastic adopters of sustainable loans, especially sustainability linked loans are becoming increasingly important part of their borrowing or more prominent uh, for them. So if we look at the lending volumes for the shipping sector in particular, the volumes have more than doubled in 2021 to about $12 billion, remaining at that same level in 2022. Until date in 23, it's reached about half of that already, so $5.5 billion. The acceleration of sustainable lending to this sector has largely been driven by early adopters like uh, your N NYK Line, AP Moller Musk, Claveness, and there were recent deals by names like MISC, Mitsui, USK Lines, and Vista Shipping. So in 2023 till date, sustainability-linked loans, interestingly, represent 98% of the sustainable loans made to this sector by value, which is very interesting to note. In the other sectors, I mean, property uh, always comes up. So Orbit UK was a name. Then uh, within the manufacturing sector, there was Viralia, which is a French company. So that pretty much rounds up the summary for the sustainability link loans. And with that, maybe we move on to our next segment, which is questions from our listeners this month.
And listeners, please remember to write to us at podcast at sustainalytics.com. So Nick, you mentioned one of the key themes earlier as being the EU green bond standard. And our question here is, what are the latest developments with the EU GBS? So over to you. Yeah, thanks, uh, Aditi. And thanks, um, listeners, for the, for the great question. So just briefly, I think as far as we know, the EU GBS or green bond standard will come out about middle of next year. Um, I believe it's still voluntary. There's a lot of market chatter about how user-friendly it will be about how difficult it will be to meet the requirements, both not only funding through to what's in the EU taxonomy, but all of the really prescriptive requirements about how you set up a framework and who can sign it off, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's very much a watch this space, and I think it will be the absolute gold-plated standard of what we see in these markets going forward, but really the usability, let's see. I think we'll eventually see a three-tiered market one that fully embraces this and possibly that's EU-based issuers um, because there's more pressure on them to do it in any case. Two, there's going to be a number of templates connected to the overall green bond standard and some issuers, maybe from Asia, just complete parts of that, maybe just to say X percentage of use of proceeds from what they're funding is um, EU-aligned or otherwise, and then some players would really won't reference it at all. So we'll see what happens in terms of the, the ongoing development of the market and how that's referenced. I mean, I think it would be super cool as well that we can use it and see it as a transition tool. So some of the thresholds to be met within five years could be the basis of some really good transition bonds as well. So really watch this space. And I think it's important because it, as it is the gold-plated standard, we'll see how it's referenced in other markets that may be not totally directly relevant. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Uh, the second question was on the just transition concept. Is there any latest thoughts on this topic? Yeah, so we're starting to see this topic really mainstream. I think a year, even two years ago, it was kind of like, what is this? And it sort of emerged from the ILO or International Labour Organisation. It's really about an equitable transition to net zero, bringing everyone along, making sure people have good jobs and are not left behind because we can't have a net zero world with no people in it and with less equity or being less equitable. There was a development last week or very recently before we've recorded this podcast that ICMA's even talking about including some of the elements of just transition in labelled instruments. So I think we're going to start to see a much bigger push and reference of this. I mean, we still need to land exactly on what that means. I could see use of proceeds connected to just transition and the social element over time. We can see KPIs linked to different elements of, of transition you could even call them just transition over time. But I think we're really going to start to see it, you know, more issues tiptoe around this and integrated into frameworks, integrated into thinking, integrated into strategies, at least at a basic level. Um, and there's been some pretty interesting um, articles coming out, but definitely watch this space as to what ICMA does or requires or prescribes because it's only a few of those key references that we need or key requirements that we need that could really see this take off as a, just the normal expected part of a transition plan. We know that, you know, what scopes you have, short, medium, long-term targets, governance, all of those things that we expect in a transition plan and increasingly so issues like nature, how you incorporate that, and then just transition and the social element. So definitely lots more to happen there. But as soon as we see a few market references in key documents such as ICWA or otherwise, I think that'll start to just be a normal uh, course of business to, to see that. 
Yeah, so look, good questions again for our listeners. Please keep them coming. Maybe to change um, change channels and, and switch back to you, Aditi. What about green? Oh, I guess green bonds, green loans, social loans, social bonds, anything connected to those areas. I guess we've seen different pockets of activity, again, linking back to some of them being uh, using EU taxonomies as a reference, some innovative structures, and also evidencing the ongoing diversification of the market. But anything you want to highlight or that jumped out that you noticed? Yeah, on the green bond side, um, sovereign activity continues to remain strong. Germany issued a green bond. There was there's some short-term focus in, in Austria as well. Romania is preparing for its uh, sovereign sustainable bond debut. Moving to APAC, uh, Something interesting was that Hong Kong launched a multi-currency green bond, which is Asia's largest ESG bond issuance to date. Uh, This is a $5.75 billion issuance raised through a triple currency green bond offering. Uh, So something different. Then Australia is also planning its green bond program for 2024. Some activity picking up in South Asia, where I'm based. So Sri Lanka has drawn up a framework to sell green bonds. And Nepal is also looking at ways for greening Nepal and possibly working on setting up a framework as well. Egypt, after COP, is planning to issue panda bonds. Uh, So outside China, it's good to see other markets focusing on such instruments as well. And they will be looking to finance green and social projects. Within banks, quite a number of them, Spare Bank, uh, Intesa in Italy, Asian Infrastructure Bank, Goldman, OCBC, Abu Dhabi Bank. It's a long list. Then we have our usual suspects within the property sector, uh, UMH Properties, Majid Al-Futem, which is a Middle East-based group. And uh, another interesting one that I'd like to highlight is related to artificial intelligence. So Johnson Controls that is uh, looking to raise capital to fund AI projects, uh, which will aim to improve environmental performance of buildings through smart data analytics and energy management software. So it's good to see, you know, themes like AI also coming up uh, within these uh, labeled instruments. Another one was a Mexican multinational food company, uh, Bimbo Group. The Sustainability financing framework was reviewed by Sustainalytics and the second party opinion is published on our website. So uh, listeners can check that out. A few other sectors like renewables, geothermals, buses, uh, mechanical engineering, which is a firm called Mayer Burger. So that's uh, with regards to green bonds. On the green loans, uh, not too many, a few transactions within the battery sector. There was a green loan first by HSBC to a climate mitigation technology firm in Hong Kong. Saudi firm that took a loan to finance renewables, in particular green hydrogen, and then air trunk within the data center segment as well. On the social bonds and loans, again, it's been a bit of a quiet market. So only a few transactions to highlight here, like Cosme, Vuri Card. Korea Housing Finance, and then there was a Peru SME called Compatamos Financiera that raised about $20 million with use of proceeds tied to employment generation through SME financing and microfinance. So with that, Nick, I'll hand it back to you to highlight some of the label products that we've seen, any deals in particular for transition, and then maybe just round off with some regulatory updates. Yeah, great. Thank you. And I guess... Um, really interesting list there. 
um, Aditi, and again, showing innovation in the market around something like use of proceeds AI. I think we're going to see that a lot more come out connected to energy efficiency, connected to different elements of um, transitioning certain industries as a part of financing and lots of different structures around either securitization and lots of issuers. So really good to, to see some of those key themes. In terms of labelled products as such, look, not a whole lot of, of change, but just about, we saw Westpac offer a carbon footprint uh, tracker to, I think, 25 million. Uh, I don't know if that's, if that's right, actually, but a whole bunch of um, customers um, in Australia, so footprint trackers are really good to see banks coming out with different tools so customers are more familiar with the carbon footprints um, other things. Um, Uber in your part of the world, um, Aditi offering a Uber Green, um, I guess a selection of uh, EVs. You can choose your, um, you know, your fuel or EVs or otherwise. And then some Echo car loans uh, made, I think, in Singapore. Some of the banks continuing to have those uh, programs. So, again, deposits, trade, um, guarantees, home loans, car loans, footprint trackers, all these sort of things the bank's really getting involved in and really good to uh, really good to see. From a transition perspective, in addition to what we've talked about already, again, one of the things I talked about and one of the innovations coming out of the market is this whole area of managed coal um, phase-out. GFANS has just launched a consultation paper on that as well. MAS is talking about it. It's in now the ASEAN taxonomy. So watch, look out for that. There was also a, an interesting article about Toyota um, leading a transition finance in Japan's auto industry, I guess, related to EVs and, and as such. And then some articles about um, aviation and sustainable aviation fuel and the, the, the ongoing um, I guess chicken and egg situation there. Um, you know, do the airlines want to use the fuel? If the fuel's not there, they can't use it. The feedstock and all of those, um, all of those issues. Sebi, again, back in your area, Aditi talking about enhanced disclosures for transition bonds, just transition. Again, something that we'll see uh, become much more common and, and, and talked about. Uh, what else do we have here? And then an article on transition finance emerging in, in China as well. So good to see in China, obviously, huge emissions, huge populations, huge industrial sector. So it has a lot to do. And the more instruments that can be used in China, the, um, the better. A couple of things on, let's just say, countries, geographies, regulations. India keeps coming up uh, this uh, this month, maybe because you're on the on the line, um, Aditi. But um, blue economy and discussion in India again, how that can be integrated into bonds, um, adaptation in India and climate change, what needs to happen, or what could be financed in terms of bonds. The ADB pretty active in ASEAN and also active around things like coal buyouts and and such. Um, some articles about Cambodia and good to see these other markets again evidencing that third theme we talked about. Not only innovation, but diversification into other markets. ASEAN again, AU or Aussie taxonomy, hot on the heels or, or before the government coming out with intentions to do green bonds, which would be great at some, some stage. Um, Hong Kong, Singapore, the ongoing fight of who has supremacy on a green financing hub. China really uh, key in terms of common ground taxonomies and relabeling and updates and various regulations there, which is good to see. Africa, Middle East, a few articles about those. Hong Kong coming out with a bit of a prototype green classification framework. I think that's the same thing as a taxonomy. Mexico, a couple of articles there. Sri Lanka, I think you mentioned before, Aditi in the 
uh, sovereign um, debt part. So some interesting things happening there. It's certainly a big microfinance market. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how label transactions take off in Sri Lanka and when. And then some articles about the Sukuk markets in both Middle East and, and Malaysia. So pretty interesting mix over the month. So I guess that pretty much takes us to the end. So maybe back to you, Aditi, to close off. And again, just to recap the, the themes of innovation, lots of different things we're seeing, diversification in terms of issuers, markets, geographies, and then the green bond standard keep continuing to come um, to come up as a key reference in lots of different different articles as well. So, um, yeah, over to you to close us out. Thanks. Thanks, Nick. All right, folks, that's about all the time we have for today's episode. Links to articles and reports mentioned in this episode can be found on our website. Do also follow us on our LinkedIn and Twitter handle at Sustainalytics and send any questions or feedback our way. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next time. Hi, this is Curtis File, host of Morningstar Sustainalytics' ESG and Conversation podcast. Our Sustainable Finance Insights show will be taking a break for the summer. We'd like to thank Nick, Aditi, and the rest of the Sustainable Finance Insights podcast team for all their hard work in bringing the podcast to life. We'll be back this fall with some exciting changes to bring you more ESG, sustainable finance, and responsible investing insights. In the meantime, subscribe to ESG and Conversation on your favorite podcast platform and enjoy new episodes each month. Copyright 2023 Sustainalytics, all rights reserved. Sustainalytics does not assess current market trends, legal or regulatory developments, but only opines on recent ESG-relevant developments. The information and data contained herein are proprietary of Sustainalytics and or third-party content providers. These are intended for informational, non-commercial use only and may not be copied, distributed, or used in any other way, including via citation. These do not constitute an endorsement of any product or project, nor investment advice or expert opinion, are not part of any offering and do not constitute an offer or indication to buy or sell securities and have not been submitted to nor received approval from any relevant regulatory bodies. Sustainalytics assumes no responsibility for the reliability, completeness, or accuracy of any opinion provided herein and makes no representation or warranty as to any of the information, including without limitation, any representation or warranty that the information or any portion of it is accurate, complete, or suitable for a particular purpose. Neither Sustainalytics Morningstar nor its content providers are responsible for any damages or losses arising from any use of this information and use is subject to conditions available at www.sustainalytics.com forward slash legal dash disclaimers.